Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you are joining us for this week's discussion, the inaugural episode. Guys, we, we made it. We're here. This is actually happening. Woo. How, how are we feeling today? I'm excited to get this thing off the ground. I could not be happier. This is the best ever. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming. We'll, we'll say a bit about that later, but yeah, I've been, since we decided earlier this week, of like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to come and do this on Sunday. I was like, yes, yes. So it's been on my mind all week. So we, we're here. Let's get it. So you're probably wondering if you are listening to this inaugural podcast, and thank you. We appreciate you checking us out. Uh, who are these three strange men, and how did they end up here? So we're hoping that this episode will give you a good look at who we are and what we hope that this podcast would be. So we're going to take some time to just talk about us as individuals, us as friends, and you get a little back, backstory on us and then some backstory on the podcast, and then we'll be off to the races with our first discussion point. So first, how we all know each other. We kind of talked about this just briefly and realized it's kind of a a spider web of like different connections that all kind of centered on College Park, Maryland. So yeah, how do we know each other? Yeah, ultimately we met through ministry on the University of Maryland campus. Um, I attended the University of Maryland as a student. I've graduated and since become an architectural designer. Um, but you all worked at the ministry um, for a long time in Charles. You still work there now. What, tell us about yourself. Yeah, well actually, so Drell and I met much, much earlier than our work. Um, yeah, I was a freshman in uh, college, and Jarrell was a junior or a senior. A senior in high school. In high school, sixteen. Yeah, and we met at a retreat. Um, so that was quite a while ago, and then we ended up to years later, like five or six years later, um, serving at the University of Maryland um, in the campus ministry where we met you, Eli. Yep. <laughs> And then we all lived together for a time. A summer, I think, was when we were all three yeah. of us together. So we lived uh, as, a, as a kind of an offshoot of the ministry. We lived in a summer household with a lot of guys. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of where the crux of what we hope this podcast would be, will, be, will become, kind of came from. Just kind of talking about the Bible very casually, just over coffee and just kind of in normal conversational kind of format. Um, so yeah, that's how we ended up deciding. And we, for a while, talked about doing this as a joke. And it, for years, we're like, oh, that'd be funny. That'd be funny. That'd be really cool. Uh, and then COVID hit, and we had a lot more time to think about it. And yeah. here we are. Yeah, blessings in strange places. Um, Indeed. I'd say that at the center of all this, though, is Jesus. And so um, I'm interested where did you all connect with? How did you all begin your relationship with Christ Jesus? Oh man, hidden, hidden hard. Um, I think, so I was raised Christian, for listeners, I'm doing big air quotes. I was raised uh, Christian uh, in the sense that I believed that there was a God, and I believed the Bible to be uh, the inspired word of God, but I never really, for a lot of my uh, youth, never really took that personally and never really made that something that changed the way that I lived. And so it wasn't until high school that that kind of shifted. And so I ended up doing 
a program in Detroit uh, called Youth Works Detroit Street Team Leadership Program, and it's kind of a it's kind of a summer job, like in discipleship training for kids in the area of Detroit. So like from four, they're fourteen to seventeen, where they intentionally give us um, give these kids work and opportunities, but also teach them about Christ and teach them about their lives and the relevance that He has on it. And so I went on that, and it was in Pittsburgh that I felt like I really encountered the Lord for the first time on a mission trip through Street Team, which is funny because my now wife is from Pittsburgh. Um, but we were in this like dorm space during like a worship session, and it was the first time that I ever encountered the Lord saying to me that really tangibly, I'm here. And my presence is in this room, and my presence is near to you right now. And that changed everything for me. Because I went from thinking of God as an idea to thinking of him as a person and someone who was near to me and someone who I could know uh, personally. And so I went from there, it was like very, that was the end of my junior year of high school. So this yeah. would have been before Charles and I met at a separate retreat. Um, so I went from there and was like really just on fire of like, yes, I'm really excited to live my faith out. And was like reading scripture on the bus on the way to school every nice. day. Um, and like finding ways to share my school, which was a Christian school, so there are more opportunities to kind of be bold in doing uh, ministry type work. Um, so I got really about my faith then, and then graduated from high school, went to college, uh, and got plugged into a campus ministry there that Charles and I have both worked for uh, since. And so it went from <coughs> encountering the Lord personally, being really gung ho about my faith, and then keeping that, but having more people to share it with, yeah. mm -hmm. and having people my age to be able to mm -hmm. say, like, I'm serious about God, and them saying, me too. Uh, like, we're doing Bible studies out of dorm rooms, we're doing, like, movie nights to, like, get to know people and, like, evangelize them, and so uh, it was really just a blessing that the Lord took me from just kind of a casual understanding of who He was to meeting me personally, and then meeting me over and over again through a community of people, through uh, people who shared those those values. Um, and so that was college, also struggled a lot with school, so it's very helpful having, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that's like a huge part of, that's, a, that's another rabbit hole, but that's a huge part of my testimony of the Lord showing me more of my identity in Him actually through failure. And coming from a school where I did really, really well in high school, yeah. just being trash at school and college, wow. the Lord kind of meeting me there and reminding me that who I am is not based on how talented I think I am or how good at a specific thing I am, yeah. but the fact that I'm loved by Him. And so He took all five years of college <laughs> to teach me that lesson over and over <laughs> and over again, uh, which is very humbling, but is also uh, built in me a resilience and how I see the Lord and knowing how he sees me. Amen. You can um, preach. Well, well. <laughs> um, so that was, that sucked, but it was something that, like, yeah, has fostered and built a foundation of my identity in Christ um, through challenging times of just not feeling good enough at very, like, specific things. Um, yeah, so I graduated college. Uh, I studied education. I'm a high school teacher now. Um, and I, so when I graduated, I was kind of figuring out, as everyone does, what am I going to do next? And felt the Lord invite me to work for 
uh, UCO, the ministry that we keep, uh, keep, keep mentioning. And I wanted to do that, but I wanted to do it in uh, Ann Arbor, in Michigan, where I was going to school, in, like Michigan where I'm from. And so I kind of had this condition on, like, yeah, yeah, God, I'll do ministry, but only if I can do it in the place that I want to do it. And I felt God kind of call my bluff and ask me pretty directly, you know, is, are, you, are you about this or not? Like, is your yes like a yes but, or is it just a yes? Wow. Um, yeah, which is super convicting. I remember, like, I was sitting in my mom's house uh, in Detroit and just kind of praying through, like, this decision. Cause I had to, it was coming up on the time where I had to make it. Yeah. And was kind of listing, I listed out all the reasons to uh, do this, and the biggest one at the top of it was, like, literally, what if they send me to Maryland? <laughs> um, so your soul knew. Yeah, it was, it was literally like, oh, I've got all these other things, yeah. and like, every, things are comfortable here, and the biggest reason I was like, well, maybe not, is like, they could send me out to Maryland, and I really don't want to go. Nice. Um, and so the Lord just kind of put his finger on that, and was like, what's this? <laughs> like, what's this nonsense? And I, and I had all these excuses of like, oh, well, you know, my mom's here, family's here, uh, like I know the campus really well, um, and all this stuff. And I, 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 yeah, I just felt the Lord just kind of say, it, "Are you about it or not? Yeah. Like, are you are you saying yes to me, or are you saying yes to like your preferences?" Um, and so I was like, "Well, you've got a point." Um, so I decided, sure, I'll do ministry and I'll go where they send me, and they send me to Maryland. <laughs> and um, it was challenging at first to kind of get used to being in a new place, especially when it was one where I was like, I, I don't know if I actually want to be here. Um, but the Lord has really used that to, one, keep me here. It's been five years now, <laughs> uh, but I'm not doing campus ministry anymore. Uh, like I said, I'm teaching. Um, but he's continued, it's a cliche thing, but he's continued to show me how his plan is consistently better than my own. And he consistently has yeah. my best interest at heart. Yeah. And I can trust that. And so did two years of campus ministry, was going to leave, uh, started dating a girl, decided to stay, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> nice. Thank you for sharing, Darrell. What about you, Charles? What, how, did, how did you meet the Lord? How did he encounter you? Yeah, I, um, so I grew up in a very, very Christian home. Um, went to church every Sunday, and I think you know, that's a very important part of anybody's um, testimony is that foundational kind of growing up piece. But I think my testimony really starts in high school when I started to be able to, you know, explore a little bit of my individuality yeah. and um, started basically living two lives. Um, and I had a life at high school where I was seeking popularity, um, trying to be a cool kid, um, and doing things that really don't align with Christian values or doctrine at all in order to chase popularity, fandom, friends, what fandom. have you. What, you know, <laughs> we've all been there. It's, it, it's high school. <laughs> I don't know, we have a popular basketball wow, team. You know, wow. I wanted them to cheer my name. Oh, you know, <laughs> very sinful stuff. You know. uh, Sorry, continue. <laughs> Uh, so I had that that kind of mask on, um, and then when I went when I was home, when I was at church, part of a youth group, I had the good docile Christian youth mask on, where I you know I read the Bible and I prayed, and um, it just was very very uh, 
just a duality that was not great. Um, um, and uh, the Lord kind of uh, pointed to this in a retreat my junior year, uh, like halfway or early on my junior year of high school, and just pointed out the duality of the life that I was living and pointed to the fact that in one, in this high school life I was living, I was incredibly unhappy. I was seeking all these things and I was just not happy. I wasn't happy with my friends. I wasn't happy with the way I was living. And I was, I had peace and true friendship and values with my, this kind of like nominal Christianity. I might've been living out nominal because I was doing a lot of the things opposite in high school. Um, and that was like my turnaround point where the Lord pointed this out and on a retreat, I was able to like give it back to the Lord and say, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and that's where I, my faith started becoming my own. Um, and the last two years of high school were radically different than my first two years of high school um, in kind of pursuing true radical discipleship, which continued in college where I got involved in this ministry we keep talking about for all four years. Um, and really, uh, like, like Darrell was sharing, got to experience people who are on fire and as radical about their discipleship as I was and being encouraged and, and discipled by older, uh, wiser men and women on what it actually means to be a disciple um, and, and really truly coming into uh, Christian manhood um, and, and Christian discipleship. Uh, through the Bible studies and the, the worship and the talks that I received and the, the mentoring I received. Um, and uh, very similar to Jarrell, actually, um, uh, I was very appreciative and loved this ministry and loved my, my discipleship and my faith that came from uh, my uh, involvement uh, in the ministry. And uh, I had, I was coming out of my senior year, I had a job lined up in, uh, I studied management and marketing. I had a management job all lined up to go and uh, the Lord kind of knocked on my heart and said, what about ministry? <laughs> um, and it was more specific, it was actually, what about ministry in Maryland? So kind of off the bat, the Lord was like, why did you think about going over there? Um, and it was a hard decision, um, but very similar to Jarrell, it was, I think the Lord's calling me to this and I could come up with a lot of excuses, but if, if I don't follow the Lord's will here, which at that point I was like, I think the Lord's calling me to move to Maryland. I'm going to make a mistake because this is the Lord's will. Yeah. Like, so, what does that say about me? Like if I'm saying, right. Ah, you know, right. I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. And yeah. that was one of the biggest things about that decision is that it was going to be incredibly comfort comfortable for me to stay where I was at. I, I'm a graduate of Grand Valley State University. Um, I had a lot of friends and family in Grand Rapids. It was two hours from where I grew up in, in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, and the Lord was asking me to move to where I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, discipleship isn't about comfort. It's about following the Lord. And oftentimes that means putting uh, being in a place of uncomfortability, but trusting the Lord and having faith in what he has for us. Um, and um, the scripture passage of Peter stepping out of the boat, where like, you know, before the Lord calls him out of the boat, we see uh, just absolute fear um, and yeah. terror yeah. that he's experiencing. But he says, you call me out, Lord, and I will come. And I felt like in that same place, I don't understand. I don't know how this is going to work if I move to Maryland and start ministry. This is not my plan, but if you call me there, I'm going to go. Mm. And um, so I made that radical decision, uh, and the Lord blessed it incredibly. Um, 
and I, I moved out to Maryland and uh, that was, it was clearly the Lord's plan. It has been such a blessed time. I ended up meeting my wife out here. I'm now married uh, with uh, a, a almost one year old, almost one, almost one year old and, and another one on the way actually. Yes. So, yes. so it's all that's uh, right. You like, you forgetting, you know, I know. <laughs> talk about this. Though. That would be awful yes. if like, that was his way of telling me. Right. <laughs> During the podcast. Just, just, everyone just hear Eli screaming, <laughs> leaving the room and running back in. We'd have to re-record. Uh, <laughs> We're we'll have to get a new mic. <laughs> um, so the Lord has been really faithful, and um, yeah, I am so grateful. Because it all started with the Lord very clearly speaking to me, saying, like, do you see yourself? And like the lies that you're living. And it's and uh, that kind of started me on a path to, to where I am today and, and being... Um, the man and the disciple and the father and the husband that I am. Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so I still am, um, I'm a, I still work in campus ministry uh, as a chapter director for, for the ministry that I was involved with, that I met Jarell in, that I met Eli in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It is. Um, uh, so for me, again, thank you both for sharing. Um, Similarly to both of you, I am blessed to have grown up um, going to church and being read Old Testament stories as bedtime stories when I was young. Um, at 12 years old, I had this realization that even though I knew a little bit about God, I didn't know him personally, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I want to cry, and I literally had this thought, I want to cry like the adults cry when they're at church. I went to a very, like, super charismatic church, hands raised, People speaking in tongues. We'll get to that later. Um, big and hats. <laughs> big hats. <laughs> yeah, I went to. I, I guess you could say uh, a stereotypical black church, and it was, emotions were certainly a part of it. It wasn't sensationalized worship, but it, you were um, encouraged to not just be physically present, but also have your mind and your body involved in the process of worshiping God. And I wanted to cry like the adults cried when they were at church, and. Um, I can confidently say now that I'm a bit more mature in my relationship with God uh, that I have shed many tears, both uh, joyful and bitter, in my relationship with Him. Um, but similarly to both of you, um, high school was a moment that was tumultuous for me and that I think God, re I know God recognized that um, if I don't get Him now, this will lead to the, harden the hardening of His heart later on. Mm. And so he got to me. Um, I was like just super insecure about who I was. I didn't know where I was going. I struggled with a lot of things internally. I struggled with the fact that my own father was uninvolved in my life since the age of about 11. Um, so high school was rough for me because I went to an all boys parochial school and I did not feel like I was on my way to being a man. And so the Lord caught me through my Christian ethics teacher when I was in junior year, which I, teachers, you're, you are so critical. And religion teachers, you can have such a positive effect. I just want to be encouraging to all of you. It's not, you're not the, the teacher that your students, you know, c consistently roll their eyes at. You are, you are. You, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to all teachers, like, persevere. You're, you're valuable, um, even if you aren't necessarily valued as you ought to be. Um, but high school was critical for me, and my Christian ethics teacher, um, he questioned my heart, and he questioned my mind in ways that, like, woke me up to 
oh, there's a spiritual reality to things. What I see is not the only thing that exists, and um, I should be paying attention to the fact that God is actually looking to get my attention. I thought that, I oftentimes thought that, oh, if I pray this, then I'll get it, um, and oftentimes experienced prayers that were unanswered. Um, but that's because the Lord had bigger and better ideas for what he wanted my life to shape, shape up to be. And um, so, yeah, I, ultimately, in being fatherless, there's this verse in Psalms that God is a father to the fatherless. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Psalms 85, and, or Psalm 85. And um, I, my, my, the, I guess the way that my experience with the Lord is shaped up, manifested, is that I have always been sought after by men who have only wanted my good despite the fact that they didn't know me. And the connecting line between all of these men has been Jesus Christ. Mm. They all have served him. They all have learned from him. They all have valued his word in the Bible. And they've all wanted to bestow that onto me so that I could be the man for other young boys and girls who are struggling possibly with just like themselves or with the way the world works because it's super screwed up. And we'll get through that as we go through the, the podcast and the different episodes. But um, God is someone who is constantly trying to reach, making an effort to reach out to us. And we do need help in recognizing that outstretched hand. Um, but when we recognize it as that, we also need the confidence to reach back out. Um, and I hope that the words that we share today will be helpful to all of you listeners. Um, so now that we've sort of shared uh, pieces of ourselves, I thought it would be interesting to do a little game of popcorn for icebreaker questions, right? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. So <laughs> um, which one of you wants to start? Um, start with a question. Start with a question. Go ahead. Ask, like, we, we thought it, we, we each, like, tasked ourselves with thinking of different things that we could, you know, pose to the group. I'll start. Mine's kind of lighthearted. Okay. Light, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit telling. So, yeah. but my question would be, if you could play any professional sport, what would be that sport and why? Mm. I know which sport I would like to play because I'm a big basketball fan and just a big fan of the NBA. But I'm also five foot ten. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the question doesn't take into consideration our physical attributes. It's like if you could play a sport, which one would it play? Yeah, your and body would morph to the dream. Well, oh yeah. my gosh! <laughs> if, if if my body magically morphed to like six five and like two hundred some pounds, I would just try to dunk on someone every game <laughs> and probably get ejected every single game. You probably would actually. Probably. <laughs> um, then yeah, I'd be basketball. I grew like I I had a weird relationship with sports growing up. I used to just not like sports at all. I actually resented them a lot. Um, just because, like, I had a, a lot of people at our school were super into them, and I just was like, ah, I don't really care. And, like, so it didn't really fit in anywhere. But around fifth grade, I don't know what happened, but I just suddenly got really into basketball. And it just has grown and grown since then. So, yeah, if I could have one sport, definitely basketball. Mm. Nice. Um, I would definitely have to say swimming. Um, that has, okay. of course... Um, so both Darrell and Charles know this about me, but I grew up swimming. That was my sport. I went to the Junior Olympics when I was 14, and I think what would be the chair on top is if I actually went to the Olympics. Um, and I would love to be an Olympian. One, because the, you get a cool tattoo on your back. Um, 
too, because your big game day is like once every four years, so you have <laughs> you got time to train. There's not this constant annual stress of like, am I going to be benched? Am I like, what's happening with my body? I blew my knee out, so I can't play for the next two years. It's like I got four years. There are some days where I can chill. <laughs> I feel like that would just put more pressure on me, though. It's like I got four years. I can't mess this up. It's <laughs> like you know, if it's like a, a weekly sport, like every other couple days, it's like I had a bad game on Tuesday. Yeah, it's well, fine. But if you have four years of parents <laughs> like you, oh, you have no excuse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you have no excuse. Yeah. This day was coming. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be a sore. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if you said anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys probably won't be surprised by my, my answer. I think top, my if I had to play a sport, it'd be golf. I mean, I think that would be yep. um, huge golf. Love basketball, but I think I'd much prefer to, to be out on tour. Nice. Um, a close second would be soccer, actually. Um, I love basketball, but uh, I fell, fell in love with soccer late in life. Mm. Um, and... I, it's called the beautiful. It's there's a reason it's called the beautiful game. I really like playing it, and I would probably aim to be a keeper actually. So, nice. but but golf for sure off the bat. Golf is a smart choice. Like when you can keep playing it as you get older. That's right. Whereas like with basketball, it's like you've got ten, maybe like twelve to fifteen years. Unless you're Vince Carter. Vince Carter. Unless you're Vince Carter. He just retired, just retired. unfortunately. But oh, uh, good man. Um, no, that's a smart. That's a very, very smart choice. You were an excellent keeper for our very bad soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> we put you to work. <laughs> I felt so bad that, like, after this game, we played in a uh, soccer tournament uh, that's run by the ministry that we were, we've all been a part of uh, every summer. And I felt so bad at the end of this one game because, like, Charles, you had just scabs and just, like, basically oh, yeah. this place where your skin had just been peeled off from diving to catch loose balls. I'm like not have us get blown out by like 10 goals and I, like after that game you're just like your your legs were gone it's like oh we we can do better than this. <laughs> that was pretty yeah that was that was something that was rough no we're gonna make a triumphant return and it's gonna be great you've been training right mm, no you can make a triumphant return <laughs> you you've been training no right? i haven't no in the pool <laughs> So, to get that cardio up, we're going to go back to the soccer pitch. Uh, nope. We, we've discussed this. Yeah, okay. In, your, in your mind. But uh, maybe we should move on to the next yeah, thing. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back. You're right. Uh, my question, and this, like, given a lot of our testimonies were around high school, is kind of where the Lord made his presence known in a big way. Uh, my question is if you could give your high school self a piece of advice, what would it be? Mm. Could be serious, could be really light and specific, but if you're picturing like 15, 16 year old you, knowing who you are now, what would you say to them? Mm. I have two. One is serious and one is kind of like fun. One would be, again, with what I shared, I would I would have told myself to like not pursue um, certain things in a, in a particular way and just stay true to myself because I've lost my identity. Mm-hmm. I lost who Charles Wesley was in trying to pursue all these other things and like looking back when I stayed true to myself and I focused on what it means to be a Christian those last two years oh my gosh night and day difference in my high school experience so if I had that from the first you know first day of high school I would have been it would have been uh, quite a different experience especially the first years my other piece of advice is that uh, I would have tried theater earlier 
So I was a two-sport person. I did golf and basketball. Um, I got cut my my junior year from the golf team because I was terrible. Um, luckily, I'm a much better golfer now. Uh, but it gave me the opportunity to to do uh, my spring musical my senior year, and I I mean I loved it, mm-hmm. and I wish I would got involved in it much earlier in my high school career. So you're saying you're just Troy Bolton? Yes, <laughs> I I was Troy Bolton. At the same yeah. time, I was doing the school musical. I was also in on the basketball team. We were in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I showed up late to practice once because I forgot. I got wrapped up in in rehearsal. I might have sworn in front of everybody as I very hurriedly left the rehearsal room because I was late for practice in the in the postseason, no less. Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're just, just black Troy Bolton. That's, that's, yep. I'll, I'll, own, I'll own it. I'll own that. Living in my own world. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. That's your nickname from now on, Charles. Black Troy Bolton. Black Troy Bolton. Um... I know that I would have told myself to take more risks um, mm. in terms of what I was interested in. I wasted so much time, like, just almost obsessing over my own insecurities that I wasted a lot of time time not honing my skills and my interests. Um, I, sh- I had hobbies that I cared about, but I was so in my own head that I, ugh, hours, weeks, months wasted. I don't want to see the calendar of all the time gone by that I could have been getting better at art, getting better at writing, getting better at the things that I actually um, wish I had um, more time for now that I'm interested in as an adult. So yeah, take more risks and get out of your own head. Mm. I feel like that's a good, I'm going to steal that for my my students next year, whatever that looks like. That's a good one. Um, I think I've got two, one is general and more serious and one is just very, very specific. Um, so the first one would be, it's tough because when I think about mistakes in high school, things I'd want to know in high school, some of them are things that I honestly would not have learned until I went through them. Mm. And there are some lessons only time can really teach you. Yeah. And that was very much true of me in high school and even in college. Like there are things that I just kind of had to experience. Um, so less advice, but more just an encouragement to younger me, I would just say, uh, as cheesy as it sounds, I would just say, like, trust me, like, the best is yet to come. Because um, I had this, I remember especially when I, uh, like, I grew up in Detroit and then went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor for college, and it was, like, a huge culture shock, just, like, uh, being away from home, uh, being away from my mom, like, racially, academically, everything was different. And I remember my first year just feeling so out of place, even though I had, like, friends who I was making through, uh, uh, ministry, I was still just like, this is weird, and I don't feel like I belong yet. Um, and I had this belief, especially when I graduated from high school, that like this was it, like this was as good as things were going to get. Because by the time I graduated high school, I'd gotten, I, like I said, I was a good student. I'd gotten more involved in things around the school, and I felt very <coughs> fulfilled in those things. Yeah. Um, and so I had this view once I graduated of like, well, I'll just be hitting the reset button, but I'm already like, this is fine. Like what I'm doing now is fine, and I don't want to let go of that. Um, so I would tell like younger me, I remember specifically having this thought the day of my graduation, like the, like I, everything is going to get way more uncomfortable now. I would like sit me down and just go, things will, like, things will get much more difficult from here. 
but they're also going to get a lot better. And you will look back on this time, not with regret, but you will look back on it as just the beginning of better things. Nice. And so it was an encouragement of like, you're going to get, you're going to get through whatever comes next, and you should be uh, excited about that more than you are dreading what you're letting go. Nice. Um, so that's the super serious thing. The other thing that I would tell uh, high school year, high school me, is during senior year, go through with the basketball prank that you were going to pull. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> it's, I, I don't think of it, like, there are very few specific things I regret. Um, this is one of them. Not pulling this prank. So, like, I played basketball for three years in high school. I stopped my senior year because I didn't really have a lot of time and was, like, applying to colleges. I was also on student council. And we weren't very good. So I stopped my senior year, and I had this idea. So I went, my school was kindergarten through 12th grade. And so we had, in our cafeteria, we had, like, big tables for the high schoolers and, like, really tiny, like, foot-off-the-ground, like, tables and chairs for the little ones. We didn't eat lunch together, but it was, like, a one-size-fits-all kind of cafeteria. Yeah. And I had this idea my senior year that I would get some friends, take, like, during halftime of a basketball game, I would take the chairs from the cafeteria for like the little kids mm. and I would bring them into the gym and substitute them for the chairs that were on the bench for each team. <laughs> and so like teams would come out of the locker room and they would just see these like really tiny chairs there for the bench. <laughs> and my thinking was like that'd be hilarious because like you could not move them and then it'd be even funnier because you'd have to watch like the coaches and the players slowly move these chairs out of the way. And I didn't do it uh, because I was afraid of getting in trouble. But, in hindsight, I should have just done it, because nothing would have happened. Like, I was a good enough student that, like, I had my teacher's respect. I told this plan to my calculus teacher. Oh, wow. And she was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, she was like, that would actually be really funny. And I was, so looking back on it, if Sister Ruth Ann said that's really funny, wow. I should have just done it. And it would have been hilarious, at least to me. And then, like... The, Kids got away with so much worse than that at my high school, so at the worst it would have been just like someone chewing So, yeah, to yeah. echo Eli's point of take, take more, more risks, risks. I get out of your own head. Yeah, I should have pulled the prank. <laughs> it's upsetting. Nice. It's upsetting to think about. Okay. So I guess to bring us back into um, the subject matter of our podcast, um, at the well, um, I'm interested. My my icebreaker question is: What is either your favorite uh, person or least favorite person in biblical history, or who is either your mm. least favorite? I I think I have two. Um, I will. I it would be David or Peter, mm. mainly because. That's your favorite or least favorite. It's my favorite. Okay. Um, mainly because they're so, or at least for me, they're, I find them very relatable. Yeah. Um, which we'll kind of get into in a little bit here. Um, but just looking at what men of valor and character they were, but at the same time, what, what stupid things they did and the sins they committed. And like, I can relate to that. You know, there, there's elements that I want to, like, emulate of them. Then there's, like, other things that, like, I don't, but at the same time, like, I've made the same mistakes. Sure. Like, if I'm being truly honest with myself, so it's something, they're relatable, and as I read their stories, I go, okay, I see myself yeah. in this biblical character, mm -hmm. um, which I think is helpful. Yeah, I'm with you there, especially with David. Like, I resonate with him a lot because he was someone who clearly, like, loved God and wanted to, but at times, and in crucial times, really, really struggled to. Uh, 
but even in his failings, he was still considered a man after God's own heart. And so that's always been very encouraging for me to like when I'm encountering sin in my own life or failings in my own life to recall that that pursuit is still something that is honoring to the Lord, to recognize, uh, like in Psalm 51, which is just repentance, something that like, the, probably the Bible verse I resonate most with David with is this huge thing of repentance, recognizing, okay, I am flawed and sinful and actively turning back to the Lord. Like the way that David did that in a bunch of key ways uh, is something that I've always resonated with and yeah, reminds me to, that I can be, I can humble myself before the Lord with security and knowing that he receives uh, me back in that. Um, so that, probably David, um, because yeah, sometimes he messes up and he responds. Um, in terms of least favorite, I don't like Jacob. Um, <laughs> he's just kind of a jerk. Like he, like he cheats his brother out of his blessing. He plays favorites with his kids. Like he's just kind of a jerk. Plays favorites with his wives. Plays favorites with his wives. <laughs> yes. Oh, has wives. <laughs> has multiple. So there's there's exactly so there's a lot of things about Jacob that I'm like. Yeah, I don't know if I would have enjoyed like knowing you. <laughs> like you seem kind of like a jerk, but similarly, like God chose him to like right. build the twelve tribes of Israel, right. and so it's just like this amazing look at who God is that He sees those people and He's in His covenant with those people is beyond just like our perception to see them as good people because they're not. Uh, but they I mean we're not in the eyes of like from God's perspective. So yeah, probably Jacob. I think he's a jerk. But mm. God is good. Amen. Uh, <laughs> speaking of people that you would enjoy being around, or biblical characters you would enjoy being around, uh, for my least favorite, Lot, without yeah. a doubt, yeah. Yeah. trans yeah. human being. Not yeah. at all a fan of Lot. No, that's uh, that's fair. Awful father, or um, gross father. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> yeah. deplorable to the point where even. Abraham was like, look, at the end of their relationship, he was like, look, you're going to go left, I'm going to go right, and, you're, <laughs> and we're just going to keep going. <laughs> like, I I just imagine that... I don't even see... I don't, no. <laughs> Bye, deuces. Um, most favorite, however, is Moses. Mm. Um, there is this, in part of Moses' account, in part of his history, we learn, like, he has this conversation with God, and he's just giving God excuse after excuse after excuse, Lord, what am I supposed to say to the Israelite people? What am I? Uh, what if I can't um, convince them to go with me? What if they don't believe me? And instead of being like, it took God a while to burn with anger against him. And in the midst of him um, giving God his doubts, God gave him more gifts. Mm -hmm. God blessed him with the ability to do different signs. God told him his name. Like the first time we read in Scripture, God's name is him introducing himself by name to Moses, and. That just proves that, um, one, we can't let our distractions get in the way of God's call to us, or we can't get distracted by our insecurities and let those insecurities uh, distract us from God's call in our lives. Um, but also, the intimacy that God has for us in being our partners yeah. with Him um, in building the kingdom, I think that was mind-blowing to me when I first read that in high school. I loved everything about that verse in that chapter. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of the, it's like I've heard said a bunch, it's the point where it's a cliche, if God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Mm -hmm. Yes, love see, that. See that in Moses' life of 
him saying, These, this is specifically why I'm not the man for it, and the Lord stays by him and like walks through him every, walks with him every step of the way through it. That's Moses is great. Yeah. Also, Aaron for just stepping in and being like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. Great younger brother. Yeah, I can talk. I got to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that transitions as well into our hopes for the podcast and what exactly at the well is. So you've learned a bit about us, and now we're going to get into just that vision of what we would hope this to be. So one of the major themes of this podcast is actually inspired by a really short passage um, from James 5.17, where James, referring to the prophet Elijah, says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, or just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. So Elijah was this Old Testament prophet who, in this case, prayed for rain to be withheld, and it actually happened. But he also has one of the most insane stories in scripture I've ever read. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point in this show, but like, he's nuts. So through God, he also summons fire from heaven at one point, raises a child from the dead, and then at the end of his life was taken back up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And yet, scripture still tells us that he was a man just like us, with a nature like ours. And that really hits on something that I think a lot of people experience, that I've definitely experienced in my faith as I've gotten older, is that it's so easy to read the Bible with its duels with giants, improbable military victories, healings of diseases, resurrections, and so on, and forget that the Bible is a story about ordinary people that are loved by an extraordinary God and used by God to advance salvation history. We want to, and we want to, kind of use this podcast to draw attention to that. We want to put flesh and bones on some of the characters and scriptures and the stories and scriptures so that we can see ourselves in the story of salvation history through candid conversation by which we can connect the events of scripture with personal experience that cover everything from convicting and confusing, encouraging, challenging, and oftentimes downright funny. So that we can have this in our hearts to better respond to the ways that God is working in and through us today. The more that we can see ourselves as a, as a part of salvation history in the present, the better we're able to respond to the Lord's call to us. Even if it's not, you know, taking on a giant with a sling and some stone. Thank you so much for joining us for part one of our pilot episode. Hope you liked it. Part two is already available. So go check that out right now to listen to us analyze a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at three guys at the well. That is the number three guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to talking again next week at the well.